Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the WTF1 podcast, Spanish Grand Prix edition. My name is Matthew Gallagher. And joining me along this adventure of, let's say, not calling it a dreadful race, but calling it... Um, actually, Tommy, I'll just throw it to you. What word would you describe the Spanish Grand Prix? One word. We don't yeah, one do word. one word one reviews. Word, one word review on the spot right now. Go. Disappointing. Okay, lovely. There you go. I mean, I don't know how <laughs> the Spanish Grand Prix can be disappointing when you have uh, that that circuit. But anyway, let's dive into some three-word race reviews, shall we? Sean Patrick Keenan says, where's the rain? I know, Sean. Where was the rain? Uh, Lacour Francisco. Seb deserves better. Pretty much copied my tweet, whatever. Uh, Luis Carlos Silva. Catalonia being Catalonia. And that is, I don't know, Tommy, you've got the click. Is that ing? You've, your little like red dots there and I can't quite read it. Can you move your click, oh, please, sorry. on the dock? Thank you. Ing ma man. That was one. Disappointed, not surprised. There you go. So where was the rain? Not sure. Seb deserves better. Yes. Catalonia being Catalonia, absolutely. And disappointed, not surprised. Yeah, I think that's probably what you meant, wasn't it, Tommy, when you said uh, disappointed? Yeah, I think it was, like you say, it's not the worst race I've ever seen. To be, to be honest, I think we'll, we'll go into this with your, your reviews and stuff, but I think it was the perfect storm of things we don't like in Formula One. Lovely, lovely little tea up there, Tommy. You've, you've clearly done this before. Right, yeah. my three were three, were wave, woo woo. I can't sometimes just get it out. It's strange. Uh, Stop testing here. It's pretty self-explanatory, really. But the amount of laps they have done around that circuit in testing, they know it like the back of their hands. And Mercedes in particular, it's like they were born there. So just the element of unpredictability we've already had this season, and it's shown amazing races. You know, we've had Silverstone where we had much higher track temperatures than they expected. They had blistering. Mercedes fell off. Verstappen won. But when you go to the circuit of Barcelona, Catalonia, everyone knows what's going to happen pretty much in every single... I mean, they've even tested pretty much in snow. So they know what's going to happen if a little snow thunderstorm comes along. So for me, Tommy... I'm just, I'm just sick of it. They need to, they need to change the circuit. Stop testing there. Bring back the fast chicane again. Lovely. Yeah, it's interesting because there's been a lot of complaints, and this is why I think it's the perfect storm of things we don't like. Because essentially, it's a a rubbish track that people don't really like very much. Formula One itself has become too data driven, and that in that race in particular, we really saw that at its kind of peak we've got mercedes dominating verstappen best of the rest in a car that's ultimately not good enough so you kind of know the podium before it's even started and then just to throw it into the mix just to annoy us even more we had the rain expected at the end just to kind of i feel like those races when when there's rain at the end you almost like switch off a little bit and and no matter how good the action is you're 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 just praying for the rain and sometimes you maybe miss a little bit of what what's actually going on. But your point about stop testing here, I, I totally agree. And it does make it does make me sound like a little bit of a boomer when I when I say Oh, you're not a boomer, Tommy. You're what you're like forty. Yeah, no, no, forty five. Forty five now. Um but there really is too much data in F one, isn't there? And when Far you go much. to a yeah, we we've said so many times and we know how much I don't like Uh, free practice sessions but when you have three free practice sessions 
and you've already spent the entire winter doing like what is it four five six days can't remember uh, how many yeah. they have now uh six, six days them. six now it's three still a lot yeah. and they know they know the track no one at all was surprised that that's the third year in a row that it's been uh two mercedes and verstappen on the podium in in an order so to say it's predictable is uh is the right word i think Indeed. And when you have the likes of, you know, we have the Spanish Grand Prix where they've all, you know, they all know the circuit like the back of their hand. And then we have the Imola situation where we're going to have two days. They've not run there before in those cars and they're going to have no data whatsoever. And it's just, I think that's what we need is, is it, the likes of Imola. Imola is going to be really interesting, actually, because yeah. don't get me wrong, I'm not going to pretend that that is going to be a great track for overtaking. We know that. But it would be a very interesting comparison between no data, uh, well, very little yeah. data, yeah, yeah. and loads of data. And if the race in Imola is better than Catalonia, when arguably you could say that Imola has even less chances to overtake and is suited to F1, I feel like that would really open people's eyes to the fact that we we need to stop kind of yeah. giving the team so much time to prepare for a race and then wonder why it's so predictable. I think people are concerned, aren't they, that Imola's going to be a terrible race, but it's not been on the, on the calendar for God knows how many years. I think we're going to at least give it this, this one to, to, to at least give it a go and see how the cars... I think it's going to be amazing to watch the cars go round there again. I, I, we've, we've mentioned this before, haven't we, Tommy, how we're uh, at Quimino Rally, for example, we're so excited to see the cars go through there. Um, and look, let's, let's give it a chance. Catalonia's had its chance. It's had many chances. It's, it's been driven too too much. In my opinion, uh, just get rid of it. And and this uh, is actually a question. Uh, Kieran underscore Falcon says, or not question, but a statement. Either bin off testing at a circuit that they race at or keep Catalonia as testing, then go to Jerez or somewhere for the race. Gives the team far less data about their cars on the track. You agree with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you? Yeah. I mean, I can't can't see a problem with that. I'd, I personally, I never really thought too much into this until I saw a lot of people saying it. And then I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense that... Obviously, people the the track is no doubt not the greatest, and it is a big problem. Obviously, there are so many factors, like I was saying before, with this whole yeah. perfect storm thing. But the track definitely doesn't help, and yeah, like the fact that they they just test there again and again. Interesting though that Jerez, uh, as it's known uh, in Spanish, is um, <laughs> rumored rumored on the uh, calendar this year now. So, uh, as yeah. is Istanbul, which yes. we thought was a car park, we did think it was a car park. But I have, um, yeah, I've heard from a few people that that is looking very likely now. So. Oh my god! Oh. Yes, please. F one twenty twenty one game is gonna be lit. Yeah, if they put it in. If they put they it might in, not, they might not put it in. Well, or maybe I think... even they they add it into this game. It's funny they said, I think Codemasters, uh, no, sorry, not Codemasters, uh, Formula One themselves were like, um, I saw a news article that was like, Formula One working hard to uh, provide normal calendar again. And I was thinking, no, please. No, no. don't, don't. <laughs> I we love, love it. Calendar. We love it. Uh, right, let's let's uh, cover off the rest of this terrible track. Uh, Michael Grimwoo 5, why do we keep going back to Barcelona? I mean, Barcelona, I mean, really, why? Is it due to money? Just, just the deal they have there? It brings in money and... Uh, I guess so. I mean, 
Spain was obviously hugely popular when Fernando Alonso was at the peak of his um, career that yeah. you even had Valencia as well. It's a, it's a weird one for me because I absolutely love Barcelona as a city. It's one of my favourite cities in the world. Mm. And for some reason, the circuit, it just lacks a bit of like spark, even though it's quite an old circuit now. Yeah. And it's been there as long as I've been watching Formula One, which is a very long time because I'm old. But... It just shows that, do you get what I mean? It's really hard to put your finger on what it is, but like Monza, for example, and those tracks, it has like a, it has something. It doesn't have any standout landmark parts of the track, is there? There's no no real one corner that you look forward to uh, around Catalonia. You don't, oh, call the last chicane, hello. Now it's going to get spicy. No, we don't, we never, we never say that. Um, Yeah, and I think it, it is a flowing track. And, you know, when I look at it, playing it on the game, I don't mind it. Uh, I much prefer it without the last chicane. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think it just, it lacks that that it factor uh, that a lot of F1 tracks have. Um, so I was, I was trying to find a, a clip that I couldn't find it, but I'm sure during the, the Twitch era of Formula One, if you want to call it that, before <laughs> before this um, lock, uh, before the uh, F1 calendar started again, and they're playing Twitch every day, I'm sure there was a clip, correct me if I'm wrong, but when they announced that they were going to Barcelona for the next F1 esports race, and all the drivers were like, "No, not Barcelona! <laughs> I've driven that track well, so sick much, of it, aren't they? They're sick and they're of sick of it." it. Yeah. And I think it's funny that drivers and fans have that same opinion of it. Yeah, yeah, it is interesting. Uh, Curtis two two zero one says, "Was this the best Spanish Grand Prix in terms of light to flag, lights to flag action in ten to fifteen years?" No, no. I think people did are it, thinking that. Did just anyone see Maldonado of... win? Oh. Yeah, well, funnily enough, we, we've not really mentioned this, but we did our uh, live qualifying thing, didn't we, on YouTube? Yeah, we did. Uh, we did a, a live qualifying watch along. If you don't know what that is, make sure to come over to the YouTube channel on the Saturday of the Belgian Grand Prix, where we'll be doing it all over again. Indeed. There's no footage, but we're just chatting along, doing a bit of commentary and chatting away. Um, but yeah, when we were doing the practice for that and trying to sync up our Sky Go, we... There was a classic race on, wasn't there? And it was 2011. Yeah. And you had the top four separated by a two second, seconds. Wasn't it? Or like two, a second 2.5 seconds. Top four, three different cars. Awesome racing. And uh, and also someone mentioned on Twitter, Fernando Alonso's last victory, actually, 2013. He won with a four-stop strategy. <laughs> in the, yeah. the, when, That's when Pirelli were kind of crazy. And that was really unpredictable because people went into that race and they didn't know what was going to happen. And it all comes down to predictability. We can we can blame the tracks. Whether you want to blame the tracks, the, the cars, cars not suiting the, the tracks, yeah. data, everything is all just unpredictability, which we need more of in F1. Absolutely. Now, Hanslock8 says, why is F2 so much better almost every weekend? Well, I'll tell you, Hanslock. It's because the series just tries something a little bit different with the format. Obviously, you have the the feature race where they qualify on the Friday for have the race on Saturday and then the top eight are reversed for the Sunday sprint race where it's a little bit shorter. They have less aero wash. They can follow a little bit closer. They have tyre strategy, uh, especially More in the feature race. because it's a spec series. Exactly. It's a spec series, whereas the only difference between the teams are how the cars are set up pretty much. And obviously, the best engineers get the best out of the cars every weekend. That's why you still see the likes of... You know, you and I virtuosi and Calamai lot at the front. 
um, an MP Motorsport as well. Absolutely smashed it this weekend with, with yeah. two wins. I mean, I, I can't believe that Matsushita won from 18th on the grid on the feature race. Absolutely I mean, ridiculous. People watching Formula One that don't watch F2, you yeah. have to watch F2 because yeah. they're probably thinking, I've watched Mercedes win every race from pole for the last four years. What? Wait, someone won from 18th? Yes, yes, I mean, it did. was complete luck. Uh, oh, it would yeah. have been the pole sitter had it not been for the, the safety car. But but yeah, if you haven't watched Formula 2 before, try it out uh, next time because it is so good. Alex Jakes is a fantastic commentator and it's just the best of everything, genuinely. Uh, we're not even overselling this. F2 is always at least a little bit exciting because for the feature race, you have people starting on different compounds. You might have some people start on the softs and some people start on the hards. So there's two races pretty much from the get-go, uh, and it's just brilliant. Anyway, that's me I, done for F2. I, ironically, the um, the second F2 race, which is where they don't stop, was a bit stale and rubbish. So it really does show that strategy and unpredictability is the key because, you know, everyone, everyone going, oh, well, it's not the track's fault because F2 was uh, really good. Well, it wasn't. The, on- the only reason the F2 was absolutely amazing was because you had that unpredictability of the tyres um people doing one stop two stop uh different different strategies people playing at different times people starting on a different tire which if they got rid of the q2 rule say it every week yeah get rid of the q2 tire rule because if they got rid of that maybe max Verstappen would have started on a different tire again and could have tried something different or at least tried something different that's what we need we need people trying different things different strategies and that makes formula 1 more interesting like I'm confused. silverstone i'm confused that verstappen didn't go for the uh, the medium tires in q2 i i know that there was a 7 tenths difference and people were i guess there was a, it was a lot closer in terms of qualifying but Kimi Räikkönen nearly got into the <laughs> into Q3 with mediums. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was, mu- a, it was not thing. They must have misunderstood how how much better. Yeah, because the mediums pretty much. I mean, they weren't seven tenths a lap slower. That's for sure, at least in the race. So, no. and, they, and they were, I think they were going off. At, the softs were maybe even going off towards the end of the lap mm. uh, of just a hot lap because. Um, yeah, similar to what we had last yeah. last weekend. Right, Tommy, your three word race review hit us. Vettel Ferrari strategist. Go on. Um, so yeah, I knew Sebastian Vettel. We all we all knew Sebastian Vettel doesn't have much support from his team this year, but this one more than ever, it really really exposed just how bad this situation is, and the fact that he was pretty much doing his own strategy during the race was absolutely ridiculous. Um, yeah, just lost lost for words with it. Yeah, it was sad to hear, wasn't it? Because Vettel was driving a, a pretty decent race, it has to be said. So was Leclerc. They were both yeah. kind of... It's it's weird how now that they're slower, I kind of mentioned it in IBR, that Ferrari are slower and now they're they're actually doing good strategy calls in the sense of going for these one-stop strategies. I don't know if that's just down to the car and enabling that to happen, but I feel like Ferrari have done pretty good when it comes to at least Leclerc's strategy. Vettel, however, as you say, you know, when when you hear him on the team radio being asked about the tires and then he's like well i just asked you the same question what's going on i've just pushed for three laps have you have you heard the full transcript yeah Uh, i read it yeah absolutely mad that he's yeah that he has three laps where he's basically going absolutely mad with his tires because they've not because he thinks he's pitting again because he thinks he's pitting again and then goes and then the team come on and go uh so let's do a one stop and he's like 
for God's sake. Well, he says, for F's sake, I asked you this before. Now I've been pushing for three laps. Yeah, it just it just seems like a lack of communication. I, I can understand why Ferrari would ask the question because clearly they've looked at the strategy afterwards, after maybe his pace after three laps and gone, okay, we're probably going to have to do a one-stop here. So I, I feel like it's been blown out of proportion slightly, that team radio, to be honest, just purely from the fact that we don't know the full picture. We never hear the full picture. And we don't know what they spoke about before the race. We don't know what they spoke about during the race. And I feel like Sebastian is as frustrated with Ferrari as Ferrari is frustrated with Sebastian. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think we see the full story with that personally. But the, um, It is funny, though, that <laughs> later on, uh, the, the full kind of transcript of that radio message, I think that the bit that really surprised me the most was when Vettel had to basically spell it out for them of what they needed to do. Did you did you hear this bit? Go on. Just say so, people that didn't. So um uh Vettel said how many laps to go and then Ferrari said 16 and we think we're going to be five laps short. So Vettel said what's the pace of the other people that stopped? Vettel uh two Vettel 22.6 and then Vettel goes okay, here's the task for you. 22.6 to the end, what do I have to do to stay ahead? So he so it's almost like He's, he's literally, going, asking he's literally going, this is what you have to do to work this out. Yeah, that's crazy. Which normally yeah. is the other way around. So I think that that was a big surprise for me to see that it really was Vettel just kind of having to doesn't, give him a kick up the arse, basically. It just doesn't make any sense, though. Uh, an influenza says, can we talk about Seb and how he deserves better? Sincerely a frustrated Ferrari fan. Yeah, I completely agree that Seb does deserve better, but I just don't understand why Ferrari aren't, or at least looking like they're not trying with him, because... Every point is millions of pounds in the end, the grand scheme of the Constructors' Championship. Ferrari aren't just going to throw Sebastian Vettel by the wayside. That's just not how it works. As much as, you know, Ferrari have the historical thing, although that's being scrapped, isn't it? The historical um, yeah, seems that uh, way. prize thing that they get. Yeah. But either way, it just doesn't, for me, it doesn't make any sense why they would do that. And obviously it can easily be portrayed like that when you put, you know, you're piecing these bits of the puzzle together and, you know, the, the feed are throwing out these bits of annoyed team radios. But it doesn't make any sense, especially during these times where all the teams have lost so much money through COVID and stuff. I, for me, I, I, I don't understand why they would do that. Yeah, I think I think it's definitely on both sides. We said it, uh, you weren't actually in the last podcast, but we were talking about it. That, Thanks for reminding me. Yeah, from from both sides that it is very much Vettel's completely fallen out of love with Ferrari and there's no there's no kind of denying the fact that Ferrari have fallen out of love with Vettel and they're not kind of really that interested in giving him everything he needs. So you, you can't blame them for wanting to put their trust in Leclerc and to build the car around Leclerc like they're doing at Red Bull with Verstappen. It makes total sense, and I've got absolutely nothing against that. They just need to be treating Sebastian Vettel with a bit more respect, basically, because if if McLaren were doing this with Carlos Sainz, I think a lot of people would be like, what is Zach Brown doing? He's such a disrespectful person. Why is he doing this? So yeah. the fact that Bonotto seems to really have just gone full anti-Vettel now um is a bit a bit it's getting a bit sour and i think we spoke about it on the last podcast of like will, is he going to last the season if if he keeps going on like this because you had another completely silent radio message after he qualified 11th was it when he just missed out yeah. on yeah so it's it's not not a great situation 
No, no, it's not. And we don't usually hear Sebastian Vettel with these kind of team radios where he's properly going at the team, or at least we haven't heard it in recent times. So, no. yeah, there there are things clearly spilling over, um, and, and I completely agree that Seb does deserve better, uh, and Ferrari need to get their act together a little bit. For for whatever reason, they're not giving him the treatment he deserves, and I, I, for me, I can't physically understand why. Yeah. But anyway, let's move on. Albon's strategy. Let's talk about the man that was just left out on the hard tyres from lap 11, I think it was, and just left to rot basically. I don't, <laughs> I don't really understand, again, there's a lot of me not understanding in this podcast, uh, about what Rebel were really thinking. I, and I said in IBR as well, Alex Albon, you know, he, he can be blamed somewhat because, again, got out-qualified by the racing points and his race pace wasn't particularly great. You know, he wasn't making moves through the field. Uh, but then Rebel didn't help him, really, by putting him on the hard tyres into a massive train of cars when we know that Albon's struggling for pace a little bit and it's Catalonia where you can't really overtake that well. Yeah. Yeah. It, at Penguin Snake F1 says, did Albon struggle for pace or was it just a bad strategy? I think it's both. Albon still isn't where we need him to be. And I don't know if, if it's because he's warmed to the to the audience and to the to the fans more than Gasly have has, or maybe we have a little bit more. I don't know, we're a little bit more lenient when it comes to Albon because we saw how much Gasly went through. But either way, Albon, in my opinion, isn't far off what Gasly was doing. No, it, it again, to use the, use the phrase kind of perfect storm, it, it is that thing of if Albon qualifies worse, he gets a worse strategy, his team then... because it, Because it works both ways, that if Albon qualified better and was on Max's pace in qualifying they'd have to think about it but there's no doubt that they're kind of maybe using him as a bit of a guinea pig maybe in the last two Very races true, yeah. for for Verstappen's strategy and he's still getting a decent result based on the fact that it didn't seem to be that decent. great he was lapped by Verstappen a, a result in terms of like like decent is is not great or, or even I'd, good, I'd, I wouldn't decent. even call it decent yeah okay yeah, so he He's get. I think I'm talking more about Silverstone, really, in terms okay. of like, because um, he Coming had a very weird. He had a weird strategy there as well, didn't he? Yeah. But yeah, it, it's just if he doesn't qualify, I mean, he was seven tenths off for staff. That is huge in modern Formula One terms. Yes, yeah. especially it's around absolutely Catalonia. Absolutely enormous. So you can understand from both sides why he thinks he deserves more. But Red Bull probably going, well, you're seven tenths off your teammate. Verstappen's maybe got a very, 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 very slim chance of winning the Drivers' Championship. Let's at least just use you as a guinea pig for his... Um, yeah, they're, they're his probably strategy. just arguing, aren't they? They're probably arguing and saying, well, do better, otherwise we'll do this. Yeah, like, and they probably, have, the they probably have to try different things because, like you say, it's Catalonia... He's qualified behind the racing points. He finished... Where did he finish? Eighth, was it? Yeah, he didn't make any ground up at the start, did he? I'm trying to remember. No, so they have to try something to beat the racing points because he couldn't pass them on track. And don't get me wrong, his strategy was awful. But you can But his doing puts him in that situation, right? exactly. So it's unfortunate that it's just from... Both sides. It basically is what exactly what Penguin Snake F1 says. He struggled for pace, and it was a bad strategy. And the two go hand in hand. And the more Albon doesn't perform in qualifying, 
the more Red Bull are just going to use him to help Verstappen's race. Yeah, because, because they have to in some way because Red, Red Bull are used to having the likes of Weber, who, you know, I think we, we all kind of passed off as a number two driver, but now we kind of understand a little bit more maybe how Weber was actually pretty damn good yeah. uh, in, in the grand scheme of things because, you know, we're so used to a number two driver being a couple of tenths off the pace, a Barrichello to a Schumacher, but then you see the likes of Gasly and, and Albon go into a team and you go, oh, hold on, it's actually not that easy to be as quick as maybe it seems, uh, especially in that Red Bull that looks like it's an absolute donkey to drive or literally a Red Bull to to drive. Um, yeah. So, yeah, uh, for me, I'm slightly losing patience with Albon just purely because I I want to see him improving, but he's not. If anything, yeah. he's kind of tailed off more from Austria. And, yeah. you know, the fact that you're lapped by your teammate, I know the strategy was bad, but for me, you can't be getting lapped by... Like, I think it was the first time Gasly was lapped by Verstappen. Everyone lost their minds. Yeah, we didn't they really hear he, that. They so said much. he had to go. Yeah, because we we get a lot of comments that are like, "Why are you so harsh on Albon?" Because people, we had this discussion last week, me and uh, Tomo, saying that pe- people were saying we're being harsh on him, and a few people were saying he was driver of the day at Silverstone, and we we're thinking, no, you, you, if you finished fifth, was it fifth you finished? Uh, can't remember fifth or sixth, yeah, something like that. Memory. Um, and your teammate is winning the race. You cannot be driver of the day, no matter how no. many cars you've overtaken. So exactly, and he only puts himself in that position, doesn't he? It, yeah. <laughs> because he has a bad qualifying. It's disappointing because he's a very likable guy. Yeah. Um, you know, but he has to do better. Red Bull <laughs> will. Red Bull will start doing better for him when he starts delivering, and it is just a vicious cycle. So. Yeah, it's very worrying, actually, like you say, that he's probably tailing off more than improving. And we're now going into Spa and Monza, which are two circuits that traditionally Red Bull aren't particularly great at. So mm. that's a that's a bit of a worry for me. But he had a great race at Spa, so maybe he'll uh, take some... Yeah. Because that was, that was one of those where we thought, oh, wow, Albon's actually decent. Um, yeah. But we haven't really seen that since which is which is a bit sad so yeah yeah i think alban does deserve the criticism because otherwise that's just unfair on what gasly received personally 100 oh, yeah, um, percent. Yeah. so anyway right alban we want you to do well and it was quite a funny ibr where it's like uh, they quoted me saying i really like alban but <laughs> <laughs> and and it's true you know i'd love to see him do well but right now he exactly. needs to pick up the pace and yeah. and how much longer can you say i'm just getting used to the car i can't get it the right setup you know, you have all these engineers around you, and I guess it's down to that being able to um, almost spell out to your engineers what's wrong, because clearly yeah. that's where the maybe the the, the loophole, uh, not loophole, the, the the gap is, the chasm. We interrupt this WTF1 podcast for a very quick chat about our sponsors for this episode, Express VPN. Now, ExpressVPN lets you access the internet as if you're from a different country. Netflix has different shows and movies available depending on where you are. And with ExpressVPN, you can unlock thousands of new shows and movies from streaming libraries around the globe. There are hundreds of VPNs out there, but ExpressVPN is ridiculously fast. You can stream everything in HD quality with zero buffering. ExpressVPN is available on every device, phones, laptops, tablets, even your television. 
I love using ExpressVPN to just access the entire library of the US Netflix. It just gives me so much to watch and there's so much more than you can get in the UK. If you use our link right now at expressvpn.com slash WTF1, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash WTF1. Now let's get back to the podcast. Right, uh, let's move on. Leclerc Spin. Oh God, Leclerc Spin. Do we have to talk about that? Yes, we do. Um. So Leclerc was driving... Okay, so Lucas Amen says, will Leclerc get a penalty for driving two laps without his seatbelt on? I didn't see this. What was this? He did not. Wow. I cannot believe Ferrari and Leclerc have not received an absolutely enormous fine for this or at least any kind of punishment. So Charles Leclerc spun, obviously. He hit a a curb, I think, and it killed his engine. And he tried to get his car started and couldn't. So he undid his seatbelt because he was ready to get out. This is this is my understanding of it. It's, it's all a bit like flaky and you can hear his yeah. team radio and stuff. He undid his seatbelt. Then he tried to switch his car back on and did. Now, obviously, with modern Formula One cars, you can't put your seatbelts back on. So rather than driving into the pits because he was in that final sector, he drove two full laps of Catalonia without his seatbelt on. And what? Yes, I know. It's I'm absolutely flabbergasted. There's not been some kind of like, because if you think that the, while you can argue, oh, modern Formula One cars are in this cockpit, all this kind of stuff, and he's not moving around that much. One is horrendously dangerous anyway, and two, all that kind of FIA road safety thing that they do. Yeah, surely that all goes out the window when you've got a driver on the team radio going, "I need to box because my seatbelt's off." Like, surely Ferrari should be like, "Why didn't he pull over? Just pull over and your twentieth, pull over, stop the car, get out." You shouldn't be driving around mad because it only takes another car having a battle around him to slam into the back of him, no matter how careful he's going. So. Oh my I'm god! Absolutely flabbergasted that it was it was two laps, not even just driving straight. Why? Into the why? Pits. Why was he driving for two laps? I don't know. He was. Uh, I don't know if he admitted that. I don't, I don't know if he's admitted that he didn't know at that point or kind of forgot about it. But the team, I've listened to the whole team radio, and he's going, "There's something wrong. I need to box." And Ferrari, like, we can't see anything wrong. Carry on. Everything's fine. And then maybe like a lap later, he's like, "I need to box because my seatbelt's undone." And then comes in wow I, I can't believe that the fia have not absolutely destroyed ferrari for that yeah mad like i'm thinking race ban it's bad that, isn't it it's really bad like, that, that that's immediately what i'm thinking in terms of punishment because i mean i know you know just not not fanboy just passionate but at the same time that is absolutely crazy was it um i think they nearly banned renault didn't they when they let because I think it was 2009 when Massa got hit by the spring. Yeah. And they were really conscious about you can't have anything hanging off the car. And Renault didn't put the wheel back on. And rather than telling Alonso, I think it was Alonso, to stop and pull over, he carried on and his wheel fell off. And obviously that was such a trigger because it was like so dangerous, a wheel flying off. We've just had Massa yeah. in hospital. I cannot, I cannot believe that they've not made a bigger thing of this because no, that just either. seems absolutely insane to me that he's driven around two laps. Or maybe maybe they'll investigate it or maybe they are investigating it. We don't know. We don't I guess we're not told when they investigate stuff like this, maybe after the race. I don't know. But mm. um 
yeah, very surprised. Uh, let's have a quick word on on Bottas 3.0. How yeah. how does this man always lead the championship and then just because Hamilton not. doesn't turn up for the first race? I just don't get it. How how many times has Bottas won, uh, led the world championship? Like three, probably every year. Every I imagine, year at probably... the start. <laughs> Gee, yeah. He always gets momentum, and then he always just completely bottles it. Yeah, it's, it's mad, isn't it? You can't even say it was just Australia because we started in Austria. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, Ultimate CB ninety four says, "Has Bottas blown his chances already? He's so far proved far too feeble in his race craft." <sighs> Bad start. Uh, yeah, put him on the back foot. Start. Put him on the back foot immediately. Soft tie didn't work out as expected. Although interestingly. Did you see that Hamilton, this, and we, we love this, we are kind of lauded Verstappen for doing this, when drivers take it into their own hands and they go, I'm the driver. Yeah. We're not putting the soft tyre on. I'm putting the me- medium, was it, he went for instead? Hamilton. Hamilton yeah. at the end. Um, and Bottas went for the soft, did what is what the data said, and completely ruined his race. So, yeah, it's disappointing that Mercedes are that dominant he should not be, be being beaten by Verstappen. And also, with Mercedes being this dominant, you've got to... I think we said it in a podcast right at the start of the year that they're picking up one-twos every race and Hamilton has a DNF or gets COVID or something. He needs to be He needs to be there. Get mm. you know He needs to be right on, on the tail so he can do, without disrespecting Nico Rosberg, do a Nico Rosberg and nick the <laughs> title when Hamilton has a few DNFs. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be beating, being beaten by Verstappen. It's it's disappointing. Yeah, I've it? lost faith. I've lost faith that Bottas could even do a Rosberg. I I kind of see, and this is pretty savage, but I see Bottas as a B Tech Nico Rosberg. Like he isn't yeah. as good as Rosberg. He doesn't turn up enough. It, it it feels like he's there, and then just right at the last minute, he doesn't get pole, and then he's he's the nearly man almost because he has been pretty decent in qualifying, but he's just mm. not been able to convert it. Um, so. It is it is a bit it is sad because we want to see a, a title fight. And the fact that Verstappen is ahead of him in the championship is a little bit embarrassing on his part, to be honest. Hundred percent. Just purely because that Red Bull is nowhere near what it looks like. It's no at least well, I think when the Red Bull is on it, it definitely is up there with the Mercedes. We saw that with race Silverstone. Pace, when the I'd conditions say, yeah, suit. Yeah. yeah, and race pace, but yeah. He sh- he shouldn't you know, the, I, I saw people like, Oh, Bottas is really unlucky and all this kind of stuff, but he he's that, got to. Yeah, it's kind of luck. like Alban. You 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 can't you can't. I, I saw someone saying like, "Oh, Verstappen's quite lucky that he's ahead of uh, Bottas in the title because Bottas has done." And then they listed everything, and it was like Bottas messed up his start, didn't qualify ahead of Hamilton. And you're like, "Is that luck, or is that just him not being very, you know, <laughs> is it luck that you you've messed up the start?" That in terms of messing up the start that's on Bottas not not Verstappen so yeah absolutely yeah it's it's disappointing to see it's actually interesting as well did you see that he was complaining about his black overalls and he lost three kilograms during the race because he said Jesus he was roasting wasn't he absolutely roasting I guess he's uh he's Finnish as well so Mm. probably not used to to the uh the ice cold isn't he Mm. it's interesting that yeah because the actual air temperature wasn't like massive it wasn't like a Bahrain or whatever was it but they no. were they were proper struggling yeah uh, right let's talk about Sebastian Vettel quickly he won driver of the day yes. who deserved it 
Um, uh, this pains me to say as someone that loves Vettel, but not Vettel. And I think, I think this is just having watched Sebastian Vettel dominate Formula One, win nine races in a row, and he was being lauded as what Hamilton is now as the guy that's going to beat Oshumi's records and stuff. I cannot... <laughs> There's something about seeing him win driver of the day for finishing seventh, even though that Ferrari is bad. It's a pity vote. It's almost like a bit of a pity vote. And yes, he had the, the, the car's rubbish and he had to do his own strategy and stuff, which I think like that that's quite... You can argue that the driver of the day isn't a legitimate thing anyway and no it's not it's, it's more like it's more made the, the fans, most action yeah it is it is the most action isn't it they they get it's basically a pat on the back from the fans for providing a bit of entertainment we've seen it before where drivers get it like lewis hamilton wins from uh pole gets, gets the grand slap, slam gets the grand slam and then someone that went from 18th to fifth in a really good car gets it because that's the entertaining Thing. absolutely so, yeah yeah i think for me hamilton was yeah, driver yeah. of the day yeah. flawless once again like, he even said he was in like a another realm wasn't he another zone yeah. at the end of that race he didn't even know the race had finished which is yeah it just shows he's on another level at the moment hamilton and well seven titles is soon coming i think yeah and he beat the uh podium yeah podiums yeah whatever i don't care <laughs> who did he beat don't know Can't not sure Whatever, uh, we move on. Right, let's play the jingle. Now it's time for ABCDF1. Right, ABCDF1 time. Let's begin with the driver of the day in my eyes and your eyes, Tommy. Lewis Hamilton, A-star. Easy. Bonus bonus points for uh, going against the team and making his own strategy and it paying off. Yep, lovely stuff from Hamilton. Bottas, I'm going to go with a big fat C. Lovely. We're, We're flying through this. We are. Uh, Leclerc, I'm going to say A. Ooh, um, he was I, doing very well. He was well. doing very well. Um, I was going to say A as well, but in terms of, I kind of want to give him a B because of the seatbelt thing, which I think is absolutely crazy. And also, he should have. Um, th- this is nothing to do with it, but he's he's my villain of the race as well because he should have just parked the car so we could have had a safety car. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, Leclerc gets a B because of the seatbelt, definitely. Uh, okay. Sebastian Vettel. A. B. I want to say A. B because he was getting beaten by Leclerc throughout the race. He's yeah. qualified worse. So I think that he deserves one grade lower than Leclerc, who was beating him. Okay, fair enough. B. Uh, Verstappen. A. Star? Um, Difficult. I mean, just, he couldn't so out-qualify the Mercedes yeah. to save his life. He beat a Mercedes. Yeah. Has Verstappen I got think... anything other than an A or an A-star this year? I don't think he has. has no, he? because he's been very, very good. Yeah, I think he deserves an A-star just purely because it's round Spain and there's no way he's going to win that race. Off and pace. It's a Mercedes 1-2 written all over it. So, yeah, fair enough. Splitting the Mercedes gets you an A-star these days. So. In, in Spain, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Albon. C. Yeah. I think C is definitely... Because the strategy, uh, you know, you can't... We've said before, people think we're too harsh on him, but he's getting lapped by his teammate and he's seven tenths off in qualifying. But he was put on a really poor strategy. So I think that gives him a little bit more of the mm. benefit of the doubt, but I think it is C-minus territory. 
Yeah, we're not right. going into minuses, Tommy. Just give it a big fat C. Okay. Uh, where are we? Signs A. a. Definitely, very good race from him. Much, uh, much more Carlos Sainz this race. Yeah, comprehensively beat Norris, has to be said. I mean, it wasn't by a huge amount of uh, like margin, but it was one of those where Sainz just looked on top. Absolutely. Um, he loves that track as well. I think he's got points every year for the last few years now. Oh, nice. Yeah, he's, he's on so it good, there. Good A for, for Sainz. Uh, Lando Norris, uh, B. He was B just kind C. of lacking. Where did he I would say C. He was only about, well, when I remember, he was about seven or eight seconds behind Sainz, but he was just a couple of positions behind. Uh, he finished tenth, started eighth. Yeah, where was he? Uh, he it was... wasn't far off signs, though, was he? In terms of uh... no, his gap to team, his gap to teammate in qualifying was naught point zero four as well. So he was. Uh... Yeah, I think he was just a little bit unlucky with his track position, and I think he still deserves a B. It's just, it's just the nature of Spain where they're so closely contested. Although you're saying That's... that now, if we give him a B, I think we've got to give Vettel an A. Uh, what? I gave him one less than signs. And and Norris was probably about the same distance behind Signs as Vettel was behind Leclerc. Was he though? Yeah, Vettel was about seven or eight seconds behind Leclerc, and he had to go on softs, and Leclerc was on the mediums. Well, I didn't see much of Norris's race, so I, it's hard to judge. But I'd have given him a C. But oh, look, all right, I'm, I'm going uh, to actually, B minus territory. Okay, so... yeah, because he did. He definitely didn't do as bad as Albon. It's really hard to just not give a. A rating out of kind of 10 isn't it because yeah sometimes but that, that's not gonna make minuses but yeah, we're not yeah. gonna call this segment one two three four five six seven eight nine ten <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't have the same doesn't yeah, have the same ring okay. he's, he's so, can we go with a b for not i, I think it's b minus territory but yeah, i think he's still he's scraped into b. b then yeah ricardo where did he finish he, oh renault had an absolute shocker, shocker. yeah Started with new 13th, boss hanging around as well finished 11th that's, that's not even in the points c C, yeah, Ocon and Ocon started fifteenth, finished thirteenth. But yeah, a little bit disappointed with Ocon so far. He needs to. Yeah, pick it same. Up. Yeah, it's been a bit, bit odd. I know he he's still Danny he says Rick, there's more. But... He says there's more to come, doesn't he? He says that he's still not at the level of 2018. He said in an interview, but he needs to get there soon. Uh, but he has got a couple of years, and I don't think Renault will just drop him because he's the perfect fit for that team, isn't he? Being yeah. French and all as well. So, um, Gasly. Speaking of perfect fit for that team and his French and really, really good. Uh, <laughs> Gasly, yeah, A. Where did he finish? Uh, ninth, started ninth. tenth. Yeah, his Q, His Q2 was, he got to sixth, didn't he, in Q2. He was four tenths quicker than Kvyat in qualifying. Awesome. Yeah, solid he, A. He's, he's been one of, I mean, what a time for him to be banging in kind of the best results of his career. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, he's he's definitely putting himself in the market. So yeah, Gasly A, Kvyat C, C, yeah, not particularly impressive. Not really near Gasly. Where did he finish in the started end? Started twelfth, finished twelfth. Yeah, so no points. I mean, come on. Yeah. Uh, Hulk Hulkenberg <laughs> there. Perez. <laughs> oh Perez. Oh, I've just managed to open something. Oh God, I've oh, I've messed it up. Oh no, have let me just deleted, cancel that. Have you deleted no. all the yeah, audio? Yeah, deleted the whole podcast. Oh, brilliant. Uh, no, let's go with Perez then. Perez. Um, yeah, he looked like he was set for an A until he got beaten by Stroll off the line. But yeah, um, yeah. he wasn't happy B. about his penalty either, was he? No, I didn't actually see. I saw the replay, but there wasn't really much actual substance no him and him and Kvyat were fuming about it I think the the FIA are saying they're really cracking down on it now uh 
but I think get rid of them all together. Perez's Perez's argument was, I think that he was getting caught in the final sector, particularly, and it's so Mickey Mouse and twisty that he he just wanted to wait for the main straight. He wasn't costing Hamilton a huge amount yeah. of time that he's going to lose harsh. the race. Win. It be, yeah, it's pretty harsh. So, yeah. I, I haven't seen the whole clip though, so I can't yeah. can't really say. Uh, so Perez B stroll A A. What a drive! Yeah. Solid solid F- performance from him. What a start as well. His starts are amazing because he, even when he wasn't qualifying poor, when he was qualifying really poor last year, when the racing point wasn't kind of very good, um, his starts were amazing. He'd always somehow end up making about four or five places off the start. Yeah, and now so he's sort of qualifying out as well. He's, now, uh, yeah, now he's in a good car. He's looking decent. The fact, I mean, leapfrogging Bottas is unbelievable from leap who'd have thought that he'd he'd get ahead of a mercedes at any point in the race so i think a a definitely and he beat perez as well because of the penalty and i don't think he had the optimum strategy so yeah interesting how racing point put him on a two-stop and perez left perez out without that penalty that could have got very interesting between those two couldn't it they did have a little fight um they did yeah earlier on in the race and and i bet they were sweating yeah, because really, they've been a little bit disappointing in terms of their overall race result. I really expected them to be easily third, and they've kind yeah. of dipped in and out, especially Silverstone was quite a disappointment. So they they really needed to pick up uh, fourth and fifth in this race, which they did. Lovely stuff. Uh, Kimi Raikkonen, I'd say he had a pretty decent weekend, putting the Alfa Romeo in places it didn't deserve to be. Um, yeah. B? A. What was Giovinazzi's problem in qualifying? Because Kimi beat him by nine tenths. Oh, but he had a floor problem because okay. he ran over a curb, uh, one of the sausage curbs. Fourteenth though, when when uh, I think yeah, it's definitely a B or an A. Because let's give it Raikkonen an A and give Giovinazzi a D because it wasn't particularly a good performance from him, was it? Yeah, we never talk about Giovinazzi, but. Maybe I'm being too harsh, but I don't really understand how he can keep his seat next year unless he does something particularly amazing. Because for me, Formula One should be the best drivers, and he's not—he's not shot. I know he—I know he's in a poor car, but he's, he's had not, moments where he's, he's shown yeah. a little bit of pace compared to Kimi. But yeah, it's not consistent enough at the moment. Yeah, uh, Magnussen um, B—he got an amazing start. Yeah. Uh, let's see uh yeah decent race he finished 15th which is decent for Haas when Grosjean finished 19th so he absolutely like destroyed him yeah all right so maybe a b for Magnussen and then a d for Grosjean I mean Grosjean I've just written Uh, what's he doing (laughs) with with this driving Uh, what is he doing I've written down what happened in Grosjean's race so he's beaten in qualifying and I don't want to lay into Grosjean because I've said before that he was really good when he was at Lotus and but he's not he's not doing himself any favors so he's beaten in qualifying he was overtaken in the race by Russell twice he <laughs> collided with Giovinazzi late in the race which wasn't seen by the cameras had a spin on the curb which to be fair was an epic save uh don't know if you we saw that I don't know if you were mm. asleep at that point. Yeah, I did. Yeah, he yeah, just yeah. slammed on the brakes and it was like an F1 game thing. And then did another one of those dangerous driving moves where he kind of twitches really late when someone's kind of overtaken yeah, him Kimmy, and Raikkonen yeah. lost his, his thing. I think it's 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 pushing E territory. Okay, let's give him an E. I'm not even scared. 
Grosjean E, Magnussen B. Okay. Uh, George Russell B. I mean, yeah, B. Beat Latifi. Latifi was actually quite far behind George Russell this time out, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, I think um, I think Latifi's got to get a D this week because yeah, it, yeah, disappointing from him. We we thought he was uh, not doing as bad uh, as we expected, but that was a, a poor poor result from him. Rubbish. So B for Russell, D for Latifi. Now let's go to the Spanish Grand Prix predictions. So I predicted that Verstappen challenges Mercedes again, and he did. I'll give so you because he split that. them. Yeah. He did. Big fat one point for me. And album P4. Well, that was stupid. Why did I have any sort of faith? So that's one point for me. Tommy? I went for Mercedes 1-2, which didn't happen. Wow. I mean, you went for the safest thing ever. I... And it wasn't right. <laughs> yeah. And I went for Hulkenberg will race again, which he didn't. I have that had an too... absolute shocker of predictions. To say that it's you been... Pro- we've, we've joked at how predictable this season has been. With, yeah, with knowing the podium before it starts. And I've still managed to get barely any points. Brilliant. Uh, and for the fans, they haven't done much better either. Ben's Vacation, Russell Q3, nope. And JP Rogue underscore, a Ferrari out in Q1, nope. No. So, wow, just one point between all three of us. Unbelievable. Right, the Belgian Grand Prix predictions. I've gone for Vettel and Ferrari fall out again. Have I? Uh, yes. Yes, I did. Yes, I did me. write that. I did write that. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, so there'll be another spaff between Vettel and Ferrari, and it'll continue to spill out even more. And Stroll beats Perez again. Yours, Tommy? I have lost a bit of the sheet. Yours says Hang Racing on. Point podium. Okay, and yeah. Vettel. Okay, so Racing Point will get a podium. They love that track, and yeah. they're going to be good there. And uh, Vettel will be announced as an Aston Martin driver. Ooh, big news! Go. Yeah, Perez be... has said that it's going to get shot down. Interesting. Oh, I don't believe. And that's you haven't the case. put the fans ones in, Tommy. Yes, I have. have I, I not? can see or one. Have I, have I put it in mine? Uh, Verstappen will retire. Yeah, uh, you can see that from, one from Formula One. No, I can't see that. You so can't see that. Gonna okay, you got to read uh, them out. Bradage. 22 says Verstappen will retire, resulting in an Alban podium. Okay. And Cluffy09 says safety car within the first 10 laps. Interesting. Lovely. Hmm. There you go. We're done. Unless there's anything else you want to mention? Uh, no, just a thank you to our wonderful sponsor and all that good stuff. And Oh, yeah, no, I was going to do that. Don't you worry. Goodness <laughs> gracious me. You think I wasn't going to thank ExpressVPN for sponsoring this podcast? Oh, good. Ugh, I meant, like, final thoughts on the on the race, mate. I'm not, not, oh, no, don't let's, have to do my out, job. let's get out of here. <laughs> let's get out of here. All right, guys, thank you so much for, for watching, listening to the WTF1 podcast. Make sure you give us a five stars on whatever you're listening to or a thumbs up on YouTube because we deserve every single rating you give us. Obviously, thank you to ExpressVPN for sponsoring this podcast once again. Make sure you go and check them out. And that is pretty much it. If you want to get involved in terms of the conversation, obviously follow us on social media, WTF1 official, and also use the hashtag WTF1 podcast for any suggestions or things that you might want to say to us. So lovely. Tommy, thank you so much for your time today. You're welcome. And I'll see you some point in the near future, I guess. And we'll see you guys in two weeks' time for the Belgian Grand Prix podcast. So until then, watch out for the watch along, which will be uh, for qualifying on this YouTube channel. And that is it. Thank you so much for watching. Goodbye. Take care. Adios. Bye, Tommy. I think I'm waving at you. I I think it's this way. Bye, Tommy. Bye. Bye.